This is Bragg, the son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. Beacons are lit! Lotro calls for aid. And Brog shall answer. What? You were expecting space music again? This is not a space MMO podcast, might I remind you. Nor am I a maypole. Kindly stop dancing about me, please. Amandine! Somewhere in the foothills of Farinorian, hope is kindled once again for the 102nd time. Welcome back to the resurgent Light the Beacons, the only Lotro podcast that dares to say... One could be an exception, but two might be a trend. This is episode number 102, and I'm your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shield Swipe, the Earl of Agro, Legend of Wildermore, and Dwarf of Ill Repute, broadcasting live from Temporary LTB MEWHQ, far from Ferrothelion, uh, stuck on a boat here in the Bay of Belfalas. They won't let us dock in Dol Amroth because of some new plague that's been going on around here. They're calling it the Cardolan virus or something like that. Pretty sure Larith is behind it, the big bird brain. But anyway, you know, one little vomiting session and I get quarantined. Me, Bragg, a dwarf. I, I tried to tell the border guards, look, I'm just drunk. This is what dwarves do. But they didn't buy it. So we're going to have to conduct this episode from the rolling decks of the ship. Uh, boy, the water is choppy today. <sighs> Those seagulls, if they would just let off, maybe I wouldn't have to, uh, yeah, be concerned about this. But, um, boy, the water is choppy. I think we better move on to our next beacon or we could be in big trouble. So, uh, let's move on to, sorry about that. Let's move on to uh, the next beacon of Elanok. So in the last episode, let's review our agenda. In the last episode, we offended anyone that was happy that I had hung up my podcasting microphone. And for that, I'd like to express a sincerely heartfelt sorry. Uh, viewer comments agree to disagree. Um... Bella wrote in, good to hear you again, uh, your voice again, I've missed you, looking forward to whatever cadence you can muster with the beacons, uh, less than sign with a three next to it, I think that's a sideways heart, so she kind of sideways loves me, and uh, out from an iTunes, iTunes review perspective, the last review of the podcast was left by Funky Us 81 on April 5th, 2019, and they currently have our high score. If you want to join this Mumakil conga line, please leave us a random number of stars on iTunes or Google Play. Or, alternatively, if you train a silkworm to write coded messages in the dark webs of the Remerchant, my grodbag spies will pass along your comments from right under the nose of that pesky arachnoid titan. Uh, viewer feedback as as I've always said a small count podcast and yet there are those that tolerate it thanks for any that retweeted about my return to spread the word on the social media interwebs uh, haven't been doing a lot on Twitter of late I'm trying to avoid it do the news cycles about Lareth's bowl uh, it's uh, it's a lot even the memes get to be a lot after a while uh, from a community spotlight standpoint i did want to mention there were some rather poignant messages relayed on twitter and elsewhere this past week about uh about the passing of the leader of a long-standing lotro musical ensemble uh, i'll read the notification verbatim we will be remembering our jeffroy on the 15th of march at 2:30 p.m dst server time at the pony stage area on landerville thank you for the outpouring of kindness for a bard that touched many 
I always find these uh, this is kind of a fascinating phenomenon uh, to have these in-game memorials of our our kinmates, our friends, uh, our community. Uh, but it's completely understandable given the depth of the relationships that can form over a passion slash obsession like this game can be that has lasted over a dozen years now. So there were some nice posters made up of Jeff Roy and various costumes and guises performing over the years. Uh, and the uh, by the time this podcast is published, you may have missed the memorial, but just wanted to uh, plug it again and thank Jeff Roy for his contributions over the years. Is member of the Andun Ensemble, Thorn and Roses, the Lonely Mountain Band, and the Middle Earth Music Community in general. I have been avoiding the forums. However, there was a PAX East link uh, that was left out there with some details regarding the direction of the game in 2020. But more on that later. The producer's letter is still not officially out. And I really wanted to get this podcast before it came out just so I could make fun of SSG one more time before it was published. So, in this week's action-packed episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in-game these past few weeks. We will discuss the Stout Axe race. We'll be getting swarthy. We'll get our swarthy on, and we will debut a new segment that I like to call, Come on, man! Later on, we will give some feedback reviews on the Minus Morgul expansion. And lastly, if there is any time remaining, we will try to save it for a past episode. If we want to have time for that, though, we better get moving on to our third beacon of Vavum Nardal. Vavum is an onomatopoeia, right? This last few weeks in gaming and or other Tolkien news. Well, first of all, I've been playing some old stuff. Uh, I decided, uh, with the finishing off of Spider-Man on the PS4 to go back and I don't like leaving games unfinished. There are a few games that I've done that with that I'm trying to clean up right now. Well, I'm back on Bioshock on the PS3. Best I can tell, I'm about 75% of the way through the original game and have some momentum now that I looked up a few recommendations on uh, how best to deal with the big daddies. I've been avoiding them, um, up early on because they're so hard to kill uh, when I should have been focused on them uh, I think it's a grind to get them to die <laughs> but uh, once you do um, you gain uh, you gain some abilities which help you advance and uh, do a little easier on the landscape later in the game so I've been avoiding big daddies when I should have been focusing on them uh, another tip that I got online was that I needed to uh, one of the things you can cycle through with your weapons in Bioshock is a camera. And when you take pictures of the enemies, the different types of enemies or mobs that you face, it's called research, and it makes everything you do more effective. And I wasn't really doing that, so I started realizing in the middle of every fight, i got to flip to my camera and take a picture. Uh, you know, it seems like counterintuitive, but um, it does help gain you, like, uh, different buffs and bonuses like damage potential against a certain mob or you know evasion of that mob or whatever the case may be uh which makes the game easier as you go along so take your pictures and do your research uh you know the other thing i'm finding that game is it's a bit annoying it's when you one completely out of ammunition this is a game where you have to scrounge through every uh, environmental area that you go through for ammunition, find a few bullets there, hand grenade there, whatever else the case may be. And uh, it's, it's annoying when you run out of ammunition because you could be in an area and you have to kill some things to get through it, and yet you start out with like zero. You come out of your chamber, your regen chamber, with a wrench and basically nothing else. And uh, you have to kind of brute force your way through the next area. So that's kind of an annoying thing. You have to be careful not to run out of ammo and conserve your ammo and uh, be smart about avoiding things you don't have to kill. Um, I'm trying to decide as I finish up this game whether to roll right into Bioshock Infinite, which I do have uh, in my game library. Um, so I'm interested. If anyone has played it, please let me know. I'm trying to decide whether Bioshock Infinite might be the next game. I give a try while I'm on a roll. Uh, my Teen Dwarves have just finished the game Celeste, which is a 2D platformer I mentioned last time out. And uh, they want to move on to The Witcher. So we're dueling over that one. I wanted to play The Witcher first. If we play it, I think we have it on the PS4, I want to say. If we do play it... Um, 
you know, it's going to be on the main TV area, and so one of us is going to get a lot of spoilers. So we're going to duel over that one and see who gets to it next. Uh, from a Dungeons & Dragons perspective, all the kids are home from school, and we're hoping to leverage that opportunity to play a little bit of Dungeons & Dragons and move on to the Tomb of Tomotion. As we get that started, I'll let you know how that goes. And that's plenty to keep us busy from a gaming perspective right now. From a movies TV perspective, I just finished off the TV series This Is Not Okay, selling, uh, starring the redheaded young actress that was in It that I thought was excellent. And it's a very Carrie-esque type, uh, type story uh, with shades of that, shades of The Breakfast Club, shades of a few other series that I've known from over the years. And it was uh, the best part about it was quick and easy. It was 20 minutes an episode, over six episodes. So it's basically wa like watching a movie. You can get it all done in basically one night. So that one was recommended. I just finished season one of The Witcher, which was better than I expected. And I'm trying to make my way through Better Call Saul. Pending on my list right now uh, is Lock and Key from Netflix. And the movies on the horizon, obviously Black Widow, if it isn't delayed, is the next one I'm interested in seeing. I did see Onward this past uh, week with a couple of the youngins in the house and was appropriately entertained. The, uh, you know, the animation just gets more and more beautiful from Pixar. They do a good job. Boy, my mouth is getting dry. Pardon me while I slug some ale. Ugh, frothy. Um, books perspective. Just got done with a book for work, which you have to... I guess you kind of got to splice those in over time, but it was some major boring shit. So um, I'm on to next. I think the next one I'm going to try is the Sandman graphic novel, which I have heard much about over the years. Wanted to at least read the initial volume of that and see how I liked it and get a feel for uh, why it will, a lot of people consider it special. From a Lotro perspective, the producer's letter is in the offing over the next few weeks, maybe before April, we'll see. But we know from PAX East disclosures uh, via Cordovan that this next phase is going to feature Aragon, Aragon and Arwen's w wedding in Minas Tirith. And I've heard a lot of people belly aching over whether that'll mean you have to... Uh, you know, collect nine flowers that have blown all over Minas Tirith to rebuild uh, Arwen's, uh, you know, uh, tiara <laughs> before she goes down the aisle, or, or maybe to shine Aragorn's buttons with one coming from every level of the keep, or some other such nonsense or garbage. Um, I think it's to a degree it's unavoidable. Hopefully, there'll be a bit more story woven into it than that. And uh, it'll be more about telling the story than about doing a bunch of medial <laughs> wedding preparation tasks. But I'm not going to put it beyond the realm of possibility. Uh, we also found out that the focus over the next year will be between dwarves and orcs. Nice! Uh, with Gundabad and the areas around it leading up to it being a central focus in late 2021, maybe even into 2022. I'm excited about that. Of all the options that are out there, that is probably the one that I would have picked next. And uh, can I just predict right now that the reason that no one has ever found Thafargathal is that it's either buried deep within Mount Gundabad or it's actually Mount Gundabad itself. Um, and when we penetrate that fortress, we'll see dwarven architecture either buried in it or all throughout it. And... Uh, that could be Shades of Moria 2, Electric Boogaloo, would be very excited for that if it, they decide to do something that was that expansive uh, within the mountain itself. That would be phenomenal, I think, leading up to a whole area that could be, you know, the buried deep Thafargathal of the dwarves' lore. And I'm um, predicting that we will see Kiel the Dwarf again. Well, actually, Kiel Tailspinner, what, what was the name of his uh, ancestor, the one that actually walked off looking for Thafargathal? Um, you know, what springs to mind, just like we found um, Ori from the original cuppy, uh, company of 13 dwarves that set out for Erebor, buried deep within Moria, holding the axe, um, you know, the axe of Mithril in the deepest chamber, uh, you know, being threatened by the Watcher. That could be the what we find for Kiel's uh, Tailspinner's great ancestor who wandered off into the mountains 
near death, I think we will see him again. So if that turns out to be the case, I will give props for SSG laying the foundation of the story some time ago at the very beginning of the Black Book of Mortar storyline. Of course, that only uh, the only thing anybody really cares about from the disclosures that have been made uh, in 2021 is uh, how many horses can I display in my stable for Rodan housing? I think it seems to be the only thing that people seem to care about. <laughs> Pretty excited about it myself. So what have I been doing in game with my characters? Bragg has been lazy. He's got decent gear now from running Tier 1, Tier 2 instances. Basically, could be better with a little effort, maybe a little crafting, some jewelry, etc. Pretty sure I could do Tier 2 group content. I'm not sure above that, depending on the group I was with, but... Given all the time I've been raiding on the legendary servers, I feel out of practice tanking and uh, so have not been doing as much of that in Minus Mortal. Uh, I've also got my bre my mini Brezel up to level 130 doing the weekly, um, doing the weekly, uh, you know, cooldowns or deeds that come out for the reclamation of Minus Morgul. You know, run four instances, get all the extras on the side, collecting plaster and mortar, etc. Uh, run the MM Scourges circuit, and uh, between those two things, typically you get some Embers of Enchantment, you get some Sigils of Imlad Morgul, you get some Virtue XP, which I'm always excited about when you complete that on a weekly basis, and a few other materials as well that I can't remember. So the rewards are good to get those things done, and whether you do them in groups or solo, um, they're worth chunking out. So uh, I think... I've done finished all the Explorer Deeds on Brazil also this past week, and I just finished the Circle of Death uh, final story where you confront Thorgon and Thuringwaith after clearing all the five orbs of power from the different levels of Minas Mortal. So I uh, got that done, and I think I just need um, about six more quests from uh, Reclamation of Minas Morgul weeklies to finish off some of the a big chunk of the meta deeds that are available through Imlad Morgul. Uh, the only ones that I would have left at that point would be Slayer deeds. And, uh, you know, I did all those on Bragg. I'm not feeling compelled to do them again on Brezel. So we'll probably be turning to loving another character, either my Cappy, uh, who started his transition from the Vales to Minas Morgul and is at level 121. Uh, my lore master, who's been languishing at 120, my hunter languishing at 118, Bjorning still at level 109 in Mordor, Champ 76 just finished Dunland and made his way, I think, into the Great River, RK at level 61 parked to do Mori instances and actually to learn how to heal as an RK, which I don't understand that well right now, uh, kind of doing button mashing when appropriate, my warden, who's level 43 or 44, who... For gosh sakes, may go get some legendary weapons soon in a region, uh, which would be a tragedy since I, I know about like you know three gambits by heart and the rest are just guesses. My high elf warden who's parked at level twenty for skirms or great barrel runs, on the legendary server, uh, my tank brag there has been languishing in the lone lands near Ostgaruth. But uh, my Cappy Broheim is level eighty five, has been finishing up everything that's going on in Eastamnet. Uh, has finished all zones, including exploration and quest deeds in each zone. Um, you know, with the 60% reduction that you get for uh, for XP on the legendary server, I think the level of content, at least in Eastern Rohan, worked very well for levering, uh, le leveling, meaning that right about the time when I was completing all the quests for all the different zones and areas and deeds, I got to level 85. Um, so it was well planned in terms of, you know, the amount of content available to get you to level. And, you know, if you were doing it 100%, you would only be halfway through the zone. You'd already be 85 and maybe skipping stuff or moving on. Um, on the main server, you know, I always have enough marks and medallions for rep accelerators, uh, but on the legendary server, they're a bit more expensive right now. So I have not been buying rep accelerators on the legendary servers until I build up more reserve and marks and medallions. Um, but uh, I did, when you get to Hitbold, and I'm not sure if they used to have this or if it was added with the, with the revamp. You know, the two nice things they did were... They reduced the cost of um, renovating an area of Hitbolt down to one token, 
uh, per when they used to be five apiece. So it used to be a big, t big deal trying to build up the number of tokens you needed in order to restore everything in Hitbold. Um, now the bigger deal is getting Kindred Rep with all the different areas in Rohan so that you can have access to the quests which enable you to finish Hitbold. And um, there is, with the main trader sitting outside the meat hold in Hitbold, there is the option to purchase Rep Accelerators for the Norcrofts, Sookrofts, Wold, or uh, Vale of Vale of Yoworth, Vale of Antwash Vale. Um, for Hitbold tokens, you can buy Rep Accelerators to get you to the end of the Rep that you need. Uh, so that turned out to be the easiest way to finish up uh, all those things. And on Brohim, I finished one of every quest uh, there is in the four different areas to complete you know, Hitbold. So Hitbold is done. All the quests are done. Uh, and what else is he doing right now? He's basically been raiding in my weekly raid group. Uh, we're doing, you know, kind of farming tier one BFEs for the gems that you need to build the snowborn jewelry, uh, worm fires, moon candles, sun blossoms, uh, sun brands, you know, star blossoms, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, all those different things that you use to upgrade the battered ring of Rohan through the vendors and snowborn to build the best in class item there. And uh, he's also finished Wildemore as well. So our weekly raid has typically been maybe run some of the group warbands, the biggest ones that take a full fellowship or raid group. Uh, then we'll run some farm, some tier one BFEs. And then we'll move on to doing like a BG or a Thorog that has a chance of dropping a first level, I'm sorry, a first age symbol uh, for level 85 uh, legendary items. Um, and typically it's been maybe you get, you know, you run all of BG and you get to the lieutenant on top and maybe you get one or two if you're lucky. Um, today we got none. So that's kind of a hassle. The problem is, and this is, I, mean, I think I was going to talk about this somewhere else, but I'll talk about it now. The biggest problem, I, I've been having a lot of fun raiding in the game with my kin on the legendary servers. But the biggest problem I have with the game right now is that the tier one raids like Battle for Erebor BFE are, are a walkover? They're like you can almost fall asleep while it's going on. I'm lagging out of my brain and it doesn't matter because it's too easy. Um, so they're kind of a joke. And then the tier two instances for BFE or you know any of the other Erebor instances are really hard. I mean, it's a you know, and I know a lot of people out there be like, you know, my kid does those all the time. So we have a bunch of different raid groups in my kin, and the, the group I happen to be in, I'm in because of convenience of the time they raid, which is Sunday afternoons, and they, um, you know, they're, they're good players, but they're not super hardcore, right? So we're at a level where our group is struggling with tier 2 content, and as we build up and more people get weapons, more people get their hip-hold armor, more people max out their jewelry, it'll get easier and easier, but generally speaking, like, we're not close on tier 2, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we run it five, six, seven times, and we're 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 not, you know, you know, the coordination of keeping them within one percent health of each other and and apart and dealing with the ads or you know the uh, the honor guard or whatever the case may be, it's it's a pain, you know. And um, I'm not saying we couldn't do it. I'm just saying that I think the gap between tier one and tier two is way off. Uh, one is way too easy, and one is way too hard, and it should be. I think we should be, given our group, I think we should be doing Tier 2 content, you know, with a challenge, but successfully, you know, with a good good, good opportunity to finish and get rewards. And, um, you know, before, and maybe Tier 3 would be the one that's way out of our bailiwick. Uh, so I'm interested in your guys' perspectives if you've dealt with the same thing. Tier 1, way too easy. So you don't want to do Tier 1, except it's easy to farm. You know, if you're constantly failing at Tier 2, then you go back to Tier 1. But I, I think Tier 2s, on at least on these instances, are way too hard right now. And uh, they'd be better off uh, toning those down and making Tier 3 the one that's uh, a little more challenging. Because right now there's nothing that's at the sweet spot where I feel like it's challenging but doable. And I feel a great sense of accomplishment when I get to the end line. It's either... It's either, uh, you know, a walk in the park, which is boring, or, you know, banging your head against a wall. So that's something I wish they could work on would mean a big difference in the rating community, I believe. And uh, probably for the pugging community as well.
So, what else have I been doing? So, the nice part about having Hippolyte done with my captain on the legendary server is now anyone else I level to eight, level 85, he can buy their equipment. So, once you finish all of Hippolyte, not just your uh, equipment vendors appear, but all the different classes appear. So, you can stock up your alts on their um, on their end game gear without having to grind all of Hippolyte again on each character. Really smart decision. Thank you. Um... My captain's currently using the two-set bonus on all three sets of armor available in Hitbolt. So there's one set of armor for each different, uh, you know, blue, red, or yellow specialization you could do. And I found, uh, you know, the four-set bonuses to be a little lackluster, and I'd rather have three two-set bonuses. So that's what I'm doing right now. Um, I can flex. I bought two extra pieces so I can flex to the Hands of Healing set that has an extra percent of morale returned from your revealing mark so instead of four percent it's five percent and that might be worth doing when I'm in blue line um, but when I'm not using revealing mark obviously I don't want that active uh, you know I don't want that set bonus so I have the pieces to swap back and forth depending on what my specialization is and um, you know that's potentially a powerful boost against single target bosses uh, so that's what I've been doing. That and war bands on Broheim. My uh, lore master Brahm is level 76 now. He has a war steed and has just finished off Harwick and is moving on to uh, Twickleburg, I think. It's just a little itty place, Mr. Luthor. Twickleburg. Um, and I do have a, a swarthy, uh, a very swarthy stout axe burglar at level 33. That's messing around the Evendons and North Downs, and uh, a lot more on my swarthy friend later. In other Tolkien news, um, I heard that the Amazon series that's in development has had some kind of setback with the story writers, and definitely is now on hiatus shooting uh, with their shooting schedule based on the COVID, the Cordelan virus that's uh, that's out there. So. Um, you know, this is how disinformation is spread. I hear something hearsay. I let you know on my podcast. You take it as gospel because I'm a beacon of truth and justice in the world. And uh, that's how it happens. Um, so that's enough about what I've been doing in game. I'm going to slug some more ale before we move on to the fourth beacon of Aralas. Now, in Aralas, we'd like to take a closer look at the latest race to uh, join our our game here of Lotro, the Stout Axes. So the Stout Axes, um, you know, I think you know we're hitting a bit of a ripoff period where instead of introducing a new race that's significant, like a Bjorning, um, we're starting to do derivatives of races that already exist in the game. So instead of elves, we've got high elves. Instead of dwarves, we've got stout axe dwarves. Is it really a different race? I guess it could be. And I guess it's easy, low-hanging fruit for them to dangle some new uh, race slash class uh, options into the game and get people excited to try some different things. There were some things that are fun about the high elf. I'm okay with my high elf. Um, you know, I still like the, but my favorite thing in the world about him is still the fact that when he jumps off a little minor cliff and doesn't break his leg, he does a barrel roll into a standing, a standing acrobatic maneuver. You know, that's the best thing about having a high elf. <laughs> that and his horse whistle, right? Uh, just to be a little bit different. But, um, so, what does it really come down to having a, a stout axe? And I, I came up with five things that I think are the main differences uh, between the race class options that we have in the game. The first is the starter instance, obviously. So this is you know going back to um, times in Mordor at the end of the War of the Ring, uh, you know when stuff's going down and people are attacking the tower and there's confusion and the stout axes basically are able to make a run for it and escape Baradur and uh, you know end up basically 
uh, all the way across the country somehow to hike their way to Arid Luin, where they can join the starter area of the elves and dwarves conveniently. Uh, so the starter instance is fun, but it's pretty short, actually. I thought it would be a little more significant than it was. You do a couple quick quests and then basically you know, do an instance where you're running for your life and escaping Mordor. Um, so I guess that's a spoiler alert. <laughs> um, it's fun. It's, it's interesting. It's different, but it's you know a little light. Um, I thought the the one for the high elf was a little more significant involved you know going all the way back to you know mortar besiege time frame and so forth so the second uh, thing that would be a difference for the stout ox dwarves is the racial twaits uh, twaits <laughs> so the racial twaits of the stout ox dwarves are very significant so the racial traits are different for any race that you go through, and sometimes they can be a little fun or interesting. Right now, I don't have the full set. I haven't looked them up. I'm trying to be surprised by them as they come out one by one. Uh, my favorite one is probably the idea of my favorite one is um, a racial twait. <laughs> I need some more ale. This is a good one. All right, so uh, one of the traits that you have available to you is basically a fellowship-wide shadow mitigation buff uh, based on the fact that stout axe dwarves have been growing up in Mordor and are used to working in the, um, the heavy dread that surrounds it. And I thought that was an interesting idea. Um, I think, uh, you know, some of the other ones, nothing else is, you know, standing out in my mind without pulling it up and taking a look at it right now. Um... You know, I think obviously there's the Virtue Increase ones. There might even be a port that you might get later levels at some point to Mordor, which would be interesting. Um, so, uh, but nothing earth-shattering, and I'm looking forward to discovering those, so I can't really talk too much more about it. Um, the next would be the option to have a Dwarf Burglar, which is uh, new to the game, obviously, with the Stout, Orcs cla Stout Axe class. And that was indeed what lured me to try the starter instance for the Stout Axes, was to... I was trying to decide, okay, I bought the Stout Axe, I had the points for it, um, you know, I'd like to try one, what class should I try? And it seemed kind of a little cliche to go with the Burglar, because half the Stout Axes out there are going to be Burglars, given that wasn't an option previously. But uh, that was what I was interested in, so I did end up going for the Stout Axe Burglar in the end. And one of the reasons I like them is because, you know, burglars are easy to level with, where you can sneak back and forth between content instead of having to fight every mob. You know, do the assassination quests, focus on those, which uh, burglars do well. And then hips the heck on out of there and get out of dodge. And especially when you get your war steed skill, which hides you from mobs. Very convenient, obviously. So that's another reason I took the Dwarf Burglar. And uh, the fourth reason Stout Axes are different. And uh, probably the most important one by a fair margin. Their hairstyles and cosmetics. So <laughs> hairstyles and cosmetics for the Stout Axe Dwarves are awesome. <laughs> they look great. I wish these were, you know, wish it had been a regular dwarf patterns. I like the fact that they've got like their own little style um, that's different from regular dwarves. Some of the, the mustache and beard combos are, are great. And the starter gear is awesome. Uh, I'm wearing one of my starter gear outfits for uh, my character because I, I, I may never change him. I, I think he looks unique. He looks different. It's fun. Um... You know, I, I saw someone wearing a picture of uh, starter gear, heavy gear, this week that was sleeveless. So we have bare-chested dwarves, but I haven't seen sleeveless armor before. And, uh, you know, it makes him look a little badass, kind of like a Harley commercial. You know, I was looking at him, I'm like, he's bad to the bone. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ban. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ban. And uh, I did go with a darker skin on my Mordor dwarf, just because I kind of figured that... Dwarves being in Mordor over time would develop a darker complexion uh, just based on being surrounded by evil and volcanic ash and orcs and whatever else they had to look at. So anyway, I do think my uh, Stout Axe Dwarf looks pretty badass. And um, you know what remains to be seen if there will be any story instances that change in the long run. Uh, you know, Oftentimes they'll replace text saying, you know, oh you elf or oh you dwarf or oh you hobbit, you're a long way away from home, whatever. So going through the game and seeing how they change certain types of text from Mordor Stout Axes will be interesting and uh, 
would think would come into play most prevalently when we actually get to level 100 or 105 in Mordor itself and perhaps have some, some additional class storylines there uh, that would be unique to the dwarves given their, you know, that they came from that region. So, Stout Axes, I guess in summary I would say there's not a ton there. What's there is kind of fun and a nice different option to have in the game. So, I'm, I'm forward from that perspective. Um... I still think getting a Ganberry Gan uh, Druidan class into the game as a champion mystic would be is the call for moving forward. Maybe they don't think there'd be much of a market for one, but I'd buy one. I would buy one. Now let's move on to Min Rimon. That brings us to the beacon of Min Rimmon, and now for the original weekly sponsor segment. But uh, for this week, we have a, a special segment that we'd like to debut instead of a sponsor. Uh, this show has been brought to you by our new skit, which is Come On Man. You know how the game is played. Uh, we have uh, commentary by uh, someone playing the Randy Moss role. Let's say it was uh, Gwyndeth, the Boo Lady, in the Randy Moss role for Come On Man. So the other day I was riding around Forlaw on my war steed, and I was killed by a lamp post. Yo, I am serious, a lamp post. My horse got stuck in a lamp post, and I died. Come on, man. So listen, I was doing Hypebull quests last week, and I did the four fishing quests at a snowborn for the Sudcrofts, right? Four fishing quests. I mean, I'm in a war zone, and I spent my whole day fishing. But better yet, from those tasks... I went back to Hippold, and I was able to rebuild a stable, a fence, a tower, a sawmill, houses, landscape, townspeople, pennants, flags, gates, the works. Yeah, from a day of fishing. That's realistic. Come on, man. You know, I was doing a Helograd Thorog run the other day, and I won the teal piece of loot. The teal piece of loot on a Helograd Thorog run has got to be pretty good, right? But it had a red ring around it. I took a little closer look. And I'm like, what's up with that? Well, it's level 105. Enjoy it when the level cap gets there on Amor, on, on or probably in like 2022. Come on, man. So at this point, I'm ready for the producer's letter for 2021. And 2020 is not out yet. Come on, man. And lastly, I heard that Peter Jackson is doing a biopic on the Beatles next. But he already got four irresistible mop tops together when he filmed Fellowship of the Rings. So this is totally redundant. Come on, man. All right. Uh, as a tangent to that, which Hobbit is which Beetle? Here's my picks. Frodo has to be Paul. Mary, I think, makes a good George. Sam is John Lennon, which leaves, you, you guessed it, Pippin as our Ringo. I think that fits. And uh, maybe Gollum is Yoko Ono, driving Frodo and Sam apart. Gollum is their Yoko. That's brilliant. I love it. Let's move on to Callan Head. Our Minus Morgul review. All right. So there are basically four questing areas in the Minus Morgul expansion which is, I would say, slightly less than we've seen in past. Eh, maybe five. I guess five if you count Mordor Besieged. So I'm going to give landscape grades to the different quest areas. Mordor Besieged, you know, they had Dor Armarth. They tweaked it. They retroed it. You know, not hugely different from what was there in the past, but it was cool to see it in that context and uh, see the different orc camps and so forth. I give it a six. Uh, the next quest hub is Minas Yule, um, the Minas Yule side of the river. So the first quest hub you get when you move into Imlad Morgul and before you move down to the city. And that includes the areas with the tombs all the way up on the top left and uh, the areas around the water gates and uh, the little ghost house and the cliffs and so forth and some of the quests that go up into the hills. And I would give that landscape area basically a 7. Some, some nice, uh, interesting views of the city from, from the cliffs on the side. Uh, Kirith Ungol. Uh, the Kirith Ungol side has quests that basically range up into the mountains over Torak Ungol as well as the, the camps at the base of the hills. And I found this landscape area to be a little annoying, trying to figure out how to get your way around, um, you know, following the little mountain cliff paths. 
and uh, you know, prone to jumping off cliffs if you have lagging issues on your war steed, of course. Uh, I thought it was just okay. I give it a six, although um, it would have been lower if not for the uh, tunnels of Kirathungal itself. Uh, Minas Mulgrel City proper from a landscape perspective, from the detail of the different rooms that you can go into within the city itself, um, the different ramps and uh, promenade, promen promontories and uh, balconies and overlooks and so forth. Uh, really well done, I think, from a landscape perspective. My Probably my favorite part, I'd give it an 8. And then Thuringwaith itself, <clears throat> the last landscape area, which kind of feels like it was a little thrown on at the end. Just throw some landscape moms out there and put the, the focus of it out so that we have some place to go on our instances and raids. Um, it does look cool. It's pretty standard mortar architecture, not anything spectacularly different. But the scope and scale of it is kind of neat to see. And uh, certainly I like the idea of a secret, you know, hidden evil veil that only a few that were close to Sauron may have been aware of. So I give that area a uh, 7, basically, at this point. <clears throat> now, from a mechanics perspective on the expansion... You know, navigating the different areas, uh, you know, the way the quest hubs um, direct you to all the different areas. You know, these are fairly standard uh, areas that we've, you know, techniques that we've seen before. Um, one thing that was new is opening up the city. There was basically a series of mini instances where you would have to go up the, the main tower entrance since we can't go in through the front gate and open each level of the city, uh, basically, before the rangers would show up in the camps and so forth. And um, I find the problem, if it was a little redundant. The instances were a little long. There were a lot of mobs to grind through, especially if you're not a DPS class. And, uh, and I found it confusing in some cases where I was already on a level of the city and had to go back and do the quest to open up you know the the camps for the rangers and to advance the quest line through the city itself which brings me to kind of my main problem is you know something we see in a lot of areas in lotro over time is that sometimes the quest flow is a little problematic you've got the uh you know you've usually got the epic quest or the the black book of mortar quest you've got landscape quests which are directing you from hub to hub and then they have these side quests, which often pop up, which kind of direct you through some of the same areas. And what happens is, if you don't do everything exactly the way they expect you to, I don't know, like you might be able to in an open world where you're making your decisions for yourself and, you know, going with whatever's of interest to you. Lots of times you'll run through an area and then later on you'll open up a sideline which brings you back to that exact same area and you have to do all the mobs again just to get to the objective you know there's a lot of tricks you can use if i'm a burglar i run through and i hips when i get to where i'm going or if i'm a mini i do the same thing where i run through as many mobs as possible and then flop in a corner and then come back alive so i don't have to fight my way through everything but some classes have to fight their way through everything i don't have that option with a captain and his dps is slow so it kind of sucks especially uh, in an area like the city itself, which is exacerbated by uh, heavy mob density, it gets to be pretty old. You know, I want to be efficient with my questing and not grind all the way through the same area multiple times based on the fact that I, I didn't pick up the right quest at the right time or I didn't find the landscape object which triggered a side quest or whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of that going on throughout this story. Some of those storylines are some of the more interesting ones they have, but there's a lot of it and uh, that causes some of these issues that I've just been mentioning too. Uh, you know, the mini stories give a lot of nice color for what's going on. I thought those were good. And I thought the content that they have to get you from level 125 to level 130 was a good match. It was just about the right amount of content to level out and not to have to go back and grind dailies for levels or do whatever that case is. I think I got to 130 in most cases, you know, about halfway up the city itself, which is handy since it's challenging in some cases. Now, the, the dailies, the end game questing that they have, uh, what I'll call the reclamation mechanics, the reclamation of Minas Morgul is the framework they have around the end quest dailies. Um, you know, it's rep-gated uh, to advance some of the quests, and there's the weekly quests for to do instances and or scourges and to pick up items. It's very similar in some ways to what they did in 
in the Iron Hills out of uh, Scarhald, um, you know, running those daily instances. Except those those were truly solo instances, and in this case, they've mixed in the actual instances to incent people to go out and run the content, um, three man, six mans, and raids, um, but also giving the option to do it in solo or duo. So. You know, I give them kudos for having a lot of different variety in the ways to generate endgame rewards. Um, you know, I think that's that's a positive step. Uh, is, are there tweaks that have to be made to it? I'd say yes. But, you know, what's nice is, uh, you know, when I got to the end of the Epic Quest book line, my, my gear was good enough to go do a Tier 1. And when I did a Tier 1... I got an upgrade in my gear. It wasn't huge, it wasn't earth-shattering, but it was better than what I had. Uh, and when I ran Tier 2, I found the same thing again. So, uh, you know, it's really nice to have the ability to progress like that and have decent rewards that will continue to get better as you go up in tiers, and which are appropriate. I know it's a lot of work, but it's important for leveling to feel like there is something to gain by challenging yourself and continuing to go up in the tiers of difficulty. And not having, like, why would I do that because the crafted stuff is better? Or why would I do that because the ref stuff is better? Or, you know, wh whatever the case may be. So, um, pretty good job from there at that point overall from SSG from my perspective. Um, there's barter, barter available for rep-gated relics once you've reached the needed levels. So, if you remember, in Scarhald we had these runes of striking or runes of binding or whatever. And... Uh, you know, they made fairly significant differences when you put them on your LIs. I mean, I remember my healing increasing by, you know, 10 to 15% or my DPS by 15 to 20% just by using a single rune that I would get from the vendor barters. And they have those available now in, um, in uh, Minas Yule as well. Uh, there's also recipes available for barter. And... Uh, you know, crafting can require ingredients earned by the instance run. So when you get these special crafting components, uh, you can build up a library of those. Uh, it's just a lot to craft a single item. I think it's like in the order of 8 to 10 crafting components that you have to get in order to just execute one recipe. So I did that like for my guard to craft him a new shield because I wanted a new shield. And then I moved on to my mini and I've been saving up some crafting components for her to get her shield done. But, you know... If you're doing either solo or duo runs on tier one, you know, you're only going to get one crafting component maybe out of every three or four instances, something on that order. It's, it's a lot. So, you know, that's maybe one a day. If you do them every day, you know, that would be like a week and a half, but you're not going to do them every day, right? So we're talking like months in some cases to get a single piece of gear. So, I mean, it should accelerate as you up your tiers and you get a higher drop rate, but... I think it's a bit much right now, I'd have to say. Um, lastly, I'll talk about the instances from the expansion. They've got some nice variety here. Like I said, I love all the different flexibility of being able to do them solo duo. Three men, six men, and 12 men in some cases, and at different tiers of difficulty for the grouped ones. Um, the Roost is the one where we're attacking the lair of the Fell Beasts in the cliffs of uh, Miss Morgul. Uh, fairly quick and easy. I haven't done it on a three-man or six-man, so I don't know how bad the mechanics get. But it's a nice, qu quick and easy one. The Harrowing of Morgul, where you fight orcs through the streets of, it, of uh, Minas Morgul itself, is one of the quicker ones and one of the simpler ones to do. And I've run those in groups on Tier 1, Tier 2 difficulty. And, uh, you know, again, fairly quick and easy. Now you get to the ones uh, which are a little more involved. The Barrows and the Filthwell are longer, have more side quests, uh, have more stuff to unlock. It's a pain. You have to clear out more mobs. They take a longer uh, period of time. I actually do like the settings of those instances. I think they're, especially the Filthwell, I think is cool to look at and creepy and slimy and, um, you know, has some neat bosses in it that I think are well thought out and kind of fun. Uh, but it's a long instance, so I don't run, I don't see it called for that much at all, really. I, I barely ever see it run, if ever, um, at least in pugging. Who knows? Um, I've done both the Lore House and the Houses of Lamentation solo now. I have not run them in groups yet. Um, Houses of Lamentation seems really long. <laughs> really long, fun, different. I mean, that could be kind of a classic one. I'd like to do it in six-man a few times to get a feel for it. 
lower house is a little shorter and uh, has the added benefit of uh, having the mid-tier second bosses be former bosses from your past so you get to fight people like Nerzum and uh, I've heard there's different groups depending on your your uh, size of your group uh, the cook from Moria is one that I've heard has been done in the past uh, I think there's Karog from Moria there's um, uh, you know some uh, even Mordrith from Angmar there's a few others that are available so they kind of plumb the depths of our memories to go back and dig those out and those are kind of fun and lastly the last instance uh, on the list is Remerchant I did go into Remerchant with my mini and ran up to the first group and uh, got them all excited and turned around and ran for my life and got killed um, just to see what the inside of it was like so it's kind of a pain. You have to go all the way up to the entrance inside Kirith Ungol to unlock it, unfortunately. Uh, but I am looking forward to trying it on Tier 1 at some point uh, when there's more information out there about strats. And, um, you know, like I said, most of my rating right now is on the Legendary servers because I've got a kin there that does rating. And it's, you know, it's fun to have a you know solid, dependable, regular group. And I'm not seeing the pugs as much on, um, you know, on Landreville at least. Uh, you know, so uh, hopefully I'll do Rummer Chant at some point. If not, like I said, my legendary server will be there a year or two, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get to it eventually. Uh, but it would be nice to strike a couple blows against that evil arachnoid, uh, Mrs. Schlob herself. So those are my thoughts on the Imled Morgul expansion. Am I going to give it an overall grade? Sure, I'll give it a B, because B is pretty good, and I like Bs. So, B. And uh, for my swarthy friends, the Stout Axes, I'll give them a B. Because they're swarthy and they're cool. So, maybe a B. B plus, if you got an especially swarthy guy. And uh, that's it for this second episode of Light the Beacons. We are at Halifurian. We ran out of time. Winter came. And uh, March roared out like a lion, whipping up the waters in the bay. Hopefully it'll step aside, uh, like April side, so that we can get to Pretty Little May. Uh, it's time for Blessed Relief. I'm officially declaring the 102nd episode of Light the Beacons done and dusted for our UK friends. As always, I would love to hear your plots, feedbacks, rants, diatribes, most of all your constructive critique. You can contact me at braggsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's Bragg with two A's. The second A stands for Abbey Road. Facebook or Twitter at Braggson of Balan, my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. Kindly request iTunes reviews like FunkyUs081 did, perchance you're so inclined. And if your comments incite me to forsake my legendary dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way if I ever get off this stinking boat. Once again, I hope you laughed either at or with me. Hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg, the son of Balan, signing off, reminding you that if it ain't Baruch, don't fix it. And remember, the next time a stout, a stout axe goth dwarf sets up camp crashing on the futon in your basement, don't despair. Just light some beacons and roist him out of there. So, dude... If you don't let me off this ship, I'm going to touch your face with my pudgy dwarf fingers. How do you feel about that, huh? You want a solution? You want some isolation? You want to solicit some isolation? All right, I'm jumping over the side of the ship. Here I go. It's a long way down. It's cold. It's wet. Sploosh. Well, I'm swimming in the dock of the bay with a broken arm. How the hell do I get out of here now? Help. I think it might be time to port. All right, guys. Everybody chill and play Lotro under quarantine. This is Bragg signing out. Catch you soon.